Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 13 through 17, it says this. They sent some of the Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're genuine and that you don't worry about what people think. You don't show favoritism, but teach God's way as it really is. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes or not? Since Jesus recognized their deceit, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a coin. Show it to me. And they brought one. He said to them, Whose image and inscription is on this? Caesar's, they replied. Jesus said to them, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. His reply left them overcome with wonder. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, you've heard me say this before, and you'll hear me say it on a number of occasions again, uh, but there are many stories in the book of Mark but there is only one message, and that is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, as we go in and as we unpack this text here today, I want to give you just a little bit of of background on our text. Our text says that they sent some Pharisees and Herodians to catch Jesus in his words. Despite Jesus' continued warnings to his his Sanhedrin adversaries, which is the Sanhedrin Jewish council, the Sanhedrin sent the Pharisees and the Herodians to go and to try to trap Jesus. The Sanhedrin, the one who sent them, that council, they controlled the high priesthood at this time during this occasion. They sent the Pharisees and the Herodians to, to catch Jesus In his own words, it was a failed attempt. It's interesting, however, that the Pharisees and the Herodians came together, they came unified in this effort. Why? Why would the Herodians, why would the Pharisees come together? Why? Because they were contrary to each other. Yet they came together to forge an alliance and create an issue with Jesus. As you recall from our previous studies in Mark, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they they were out to destroy Jesus. You could see that in Mark chapter 11. But this alliance with the Herodians and and the Pharisees, it was very interesting. See, the the, the Pharisees were for the liberty of of the Jews. And, And the Herodians... They were there to protect the power, the the Roman power, the the Roman empire. If Jesus said that it was lawful to give tribute to Caesar, then the Pharisees would start a riot with the common people against him. If Jesus said, don't pay taxes, don't pay the tax tribute to Caesar, then the Herodians would incite a, a, a complaint with the governor and then... Jesus would be in trouble. 
So in other words, they came unified together, wanting to take Jesus out or take him down, and they thought that they would have him trapped, that he would say one thing or the other. Either way, these two groups, these, uh, these opposing groups in the day, they've joined together to support one another to, to bring Jesus down. Why? Because to the Pharisees, Jesus is taking their spotlight. And these are the ones that would go and practice their prayers, their, their eloquent prayers in, in private. And then they would go out and they would stand in the public places and, and people would give them attaboys and say, oh, that was just absolutely incredible. That was mine. And, and now Jesus is out and he's out on the hillside and, and Jesus is healing the blind and, and he's telling the, those that have been lame for years to, to get up and, and, and pick up your mat and, and walk because you have been healed. And the Pharisees are going, we don't like this because why? Because the, the courtyards are, are no longer filled with people praising us. Now they're out in the hillsides and the villages and the townships and they're they're seeking the one who is healing people. They're seeking the one who, who is proclaiming the good news, the, the gospel of the heavenly father. The Herodians, they've come to realize that the impact that, that Jesus is having on the people, that they're realizing that, that if the people were to take and turn, the multitudes, if they were to take and turn in unison, that the empire, that, that Rome itself could actually be threatened. They, they were fearful of what could take place. So the first thing that they did, and you can see that in your, your worship folder here this morning in, in that little insert there, but they, 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 the first thing that they come to do is they come and they address Jesus as teacher. In, in other words, they, they come and they have complimented him. In other words, they, they've come in, in, in great attempts to flatterize him, to, to, to be a people that, that are very complimentary. They, they, they've come to appear to, to show him much respect. Look at the text in verse 14. They came to him and they said, Teacher, we, we know that you are genuine and you don't worry about what people think. You don't show favoritism, but, but you teach God's ways. As it, as it really is. Teacher, you have integrity. Teacher, you, you reflect truth. You live in principle. You're not afraid to offend for the sake of serving God. You are not swayed by the opinions that, of the gained forces of, of men. But these pretenses are, are, are hypocritical and later will produce the very evidence against them, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians, on what it is that they're doing, doing in the moment, where it will be self-condemning when they think that they have it all figured out. Prophet Jeremiah, he comes to the people in the Old Testament, chapter 42 specific, and he's addressing some of these very issues. He said, God has plainly told you don't go and do this. Don't go to Egypt. Could anything be more plainer? God has been most articulate. But I warn you this day that you are living out some kind of a fantasy. You're making a fatal mistake. Don't you just send me to, didn't you just send me to your God saying, pray for us to God? Tell us everything that God has said and we will do it. We will be obedient. 
So Jeremiah goes and he comes to the people and he says, well, now I've told you. I've told you everything that he has said. And haven't you obeyed a word of it? You have not. Not a single word of what your God sent me to tell you, you have not been obedient to. So then they pose this question to Jesus. They say, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? In the message translations, Jesus' response is this, and I love this response. Why are you playing games with me? Why are you playing games with me? He knew the malice that was resident in their hearts. Yet their mouths showed admiration, love, and respect. Remember, they had come calling him teacher. They had come calling him rabbi. Rabbi was to to receive the utmost respect. Jesus immediately detected their hypocrisy. He immediately detected it. Someone said, and I quote, Hypocrisy, though ever so artfully managed, cannot be concealed from the Lord God. The intent was to ensnare him. The intent was to bring him down. The intent was to take him captive. The the, the intent was to destroy him, to take his life. They thought surely he will answer one way or the other, and then we've got him. With his own words, we've ensnared him. In other words, which one of us, the Pharisees or the Herodians, will get all of this going? And even at the level, the audacity of it, but they even had this mindset, as I read this text and as I unpack it, they even had the mindset, which one of us are going to be able to celebrate that we brought down the Messiah? Which one of us will have bragging rights that we we took him down? But Jesus, in that moment, he put the ball back in the court of the Pharisees in order to address their own motives, using their own words, which they were unwilling to do, which was to pay their taxes. See, he made them acknowledge that that the current money that was being exchanged at the time was, was Roman money. It was not his, it was money of Rome. It was the money of the emperor. Look at verse 15. Since Jesus recognized their deceit, he said to them, why are you testing me? Bring me a coin, show it to me. And to quote a a, a well-known movie, show me the money, bring it to me. Money that reflected the emperor's image and the inscription on one side said, Chief Priest Pontifex Maximus, which meant the high priest of the Roman nation. And on the other side, the inscription read of that coin, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. The inscription originated the imperial cult of the emperor worship, and was claimed, and he claimed, deity. In other words, there was this claiming of divine status. The emperor was claiming to be a supreme being. The emperor was was claiming to be some kind of a creator of the kingdom, 
can you see how this would radically be in opposition of Jesus and what he represented? Coinage was a sign of power. When anyone conquered a nation, the, for the most part, the first thing that they did was issue coinage in honor of the leader. That was kind of like the, the final stamp of kingship and, and of power. This all repulsed the Jews. Yet we find the Pharisees coming with the Herodians and they're standing before Jesus and they're trying to trap him. Jesus declared, give or render what is Caesar to Caesar. The things that belong to him, give to him. Because the coinage, the currency that is being used, is his. It is his property. So give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But then the very next statement that he makes is then give back to God that which is God's. And hopefully you can see what is happening here because I believe that the Pharisees do. They're, they're very knowledgeable. They're, they're very educated. And Jesus is, is taking and he's confronting them with the very issue that they brought before him. Jesus is addressing the, the emperor's claim to deity. Church, I'm just going to tell you right now, but the emperor is not a divine authority. He is not a deity. He is not supreme being. He is not creator as we know our heavenly father. Give back to God what is God's. The emperor may be owed a debt for the use of his money, but should not receive divine honor and the worship that he sought. Two words, called out. Jesus called them out. He called out the Pharisees. He called out the Herodians. And he was sharing divine honor and worship is only due to God. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, thou shalt have no other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form of anything whatsoever, whether of things that fly or walk or swim. Don't bow down to them and don't serve them because I am God. I am your God. I am a most jealous God. Punishing the children for any sins their parents pass on to them. To the third and, and yes, even to the fourth generation of, of those who hate me. But I unswervingly am loyal to the thousands who love me and to those who keep my commandments. And he's challenging the Pharisees head on this particular afternoon. Do you remember Mark 12, chapter 2, uh, from a few weeks ago, in just a few verses back? But do you remember the, the whole parable of, of, of stewardship, the, the allegorical parable of, of the vineyard, where the owner of the vineyard was God, and the vineyard itself was, was the nation of Israel. The tenant farmers were, were the leaders and the rulers of the nation. The servants that, that were beaten, they were the, the prophets. They were the heralds of, of the gospel. And the only son, the, the well-beloved son, was killed and then was cast out. That, that was Jesus. And do you recall But the vineyard workers were condemned for not rendering the first fruits to the Lord? 
they didn't give back to the owner that which was rightfully his. Those who came seeking that afternoon to trap Jesus were looking for a way to kill him, looking for a way to destroy him. I didn't say reprimand him. I said to destroy him. They wanted him out. They wanted him gone. Why? Because they feared him. And why? Because the crowd was amazed and was being blessed by him. Gateway Church, I just want to share with you, but the enemy doesn't like it when the kingdom of God is moving. The enemy doesn't like it when the kingdom of God is striving. The enemy does not like it when there is a sinner who has repented of their ways and they come in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, the enemy does not like it when the Lord is moving in a congregation and is changing a community. The enemy doesn't like it when people are proclaiming the good news and the gospel in the workplace and, and out on the ball fields. The enemy does not like it and he wants to take out whatever source that might be. But we are here this morning, as was already shared, we are here to congregate together and to encourage one another because when those darts come, those flaming arrows come, it is not who we are, but it is whose we are that makes all of the difference in the world. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 in the message translation says, God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything that the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything that, that the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that, that we walk away from and, and we forget about in just a couple of hours. This is for keeps. It is a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. And then it goes on and it says, be prepared because you're up against more than you can handle on your own. Take all of the help that you can get. Take every weapon that God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be standing on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than just words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is indispensable. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in the ongoing warfare. And then right out of the text here in scripture, pray hard. Pray hard and pray long. Pray for your brothers. Pray for your sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind and so that no one drops out. I have a question here. For you today. But how do we conduct ourselves as those who are first called to kingdom purposes and also have citizenship here in this earthly kingdom? Church, we need to quit pretending to be something that we're not. In this text, Jesus is very clearly saying there is no room, there is no room, there is no room for hypocrisy. Hypocrisy comes from the Greek word Hippocrates, which means actor. In the ancient Greek theater, actors wore masks to depict what character they were playing at any given time. The interpretation of the drama, the show took place underneath the mask. Unlike the Pharisees, we need to have a genuine, transparent, authentic reflection of Christ in our lives. 
Someone said, and I quote, cool church isn't nearly as powerful as an authentic church. It's not about spotlights. It's not about being in a spotlight. It's about taking the things that God has given us and realizing that there's an enemy who wants to come and steal our thunder, one that wants to come and try to take us down. But it's about the sovereignty of God. It's all about, it must be about God. Hashtag God first. It's about God as the uncontestable creator, the owner and possessor of heaven and earth. Nobody can vote him out of office. I love that. To the thirsty, he will freely give water from the life spring. The scriptures tell us in Revelation 21, specific, that, that a day is coming that, that never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God, the master, is all of the light that anyone will need. And they will rule with him age after age after age. Church, Jesus is the root. Jesus is the branch of David. Jesus is the bright morning star. Come, say the spirit and the bride. Is anyone thirsty? Come, same text, revelation. All who will come and drink, drink freely of the water of life. Church, the day is coming when, as the message translation says, that Christ is going to bring his payroll and he'll pay all of those full in and for their work. He is the A to Z. He is the first and the final. He is the beginning and he is the conclusion. How blessed are those who wash their robes. The, the tree of life is theirs for good and they'll walk through the gates of the city. When Jesus took the coin that afternoon, he asked, whose picture is on the coin? What, what is inscribed on that coin? What does it look like? Whose name is on it? And the Herodians and, and the Pharisees and all of those that were in audience there that afternoon, they all said the same thing. They said, Caesar. But what if Jesus asked this question, but was referring to your life and to my life? What is inscribed on your heart how would you respond? How am I to respond? If he said, this life of yours, who does it look like? Who, whose name is on it? Church this morning, what would you say? What would others say about you? As I was studying this text this week, I read where one scholar made this comment that, that people are God's coinage. Why? Because those of us that believe in him those of us that have accepted him for what he did for us on the cross, for those of us that have surrendered our hearts and lives, we bear his image. For those that come to him as we are and not wearing a mask, have said, Lord, I am a broken person. Lord, I have made bad choices. But Lord, I accept what you did for me on a hill called Calvary. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. And the Gaither vocal band, I love that song. If you've ever heard that old rendition, but I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I believe that whatever the cost, and when time has surrendered and earth is no more, I will still cling to the old rugged cross. I believe that this life is with great mystery. Surely someday it will come to an end. But faith will conquer the darkness. Faith will conquer death. 
and will lead at last to my friend. I believe that Christ, the, the one who was slain on the cross, has the power to change lives today, for he changed me completely. He changed me anew. That is the image that we are called to bear. Why are we God's coinage? Because we bear his image. Friend, what is engraved in your heart? What is the image that you bear this very day? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created humanity in his image. In divine image of God, he created them. Someone said, and because of this, we owe him our complete allegiance. This and, and not the poll tax was the crucial issue. It was the teachable moment that Jesus was bringing that afternoon. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Look at it there in your text. I just want to read it again. They sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians, the, the supporters of Herod, to trap him in his words. They came to him and they said, Teacher, we know that you're genuine and, and you don't worry about what people think. You don't show favoritism. You, you teach God's ways as it really is. And then it goes on. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And should we pay taxes or not? This morning, as the worship team makes their way to the platform, church, I just want to share this with you, but do you look to our Heavenly Father as the Master? Do you look to our Heavenly Father as the Divine if so, are you living it? Does your words line up with your actions? Do you compliment Christ as being Savior, but the life that you're living speaks louder than your words? This morning, if you are hiding behind a mask, this morning, if your allegiance is, is to other things and it is not of God, the exciting thing about it is, is that all of that can change right now in this moment, in this hour. God is asking us to look deep within our hearts here this morning and to really look deep, look at the depths of our hearts, the intent of our hearts, and where does it lie? God called them out. Jesus called them out that afternoon. But this morning, as we have gathered in this place, when he said, bring me and show me the image that is there, my heart is saddened when I look at this text because we see people that have been very studied. They, they're very learned in the text. They, they know the scriptures, but yet they were united in front to try to take Jesus out. This morning, I just want to tell you, but who are we that we think that we can manage our life in such a way that when the enemy comes and he throws his power, that we can withstand him all by ourselves? Think about this in the arena of your mind. But, but the Pharisees came, very learned people came, and they found themselves in alliance to somebody that, that was worshiping idol worship and creating and claiming deity. We live in a world, church, where culture wants to shape us. We need to turn around and realize that we being in the image of Christ we standing up for what we believe, the word, the very word of God, not adding to or taking away, but taking the very word of God. We can change the world around us because we've seen in scripture over and over again that when we come to the Lord, he will provide us. He will give us authority to proclaim the gospel. His word never returns void. So as we 
conclude with this text here today. As Jesus confronted them that afternoon, what is it that we need to give back? Give back that which is God's. Psalm 139 says that you are God's beautiful creation. That God has called you his masterpiece. And this morning, if you are not of God and you've been running from God, I would say, give back to God what is God's. He desires to be in a relationship with you. But don't be fooled. The enemy and the power and the forces will try to keep you distracted from that. Will try to keep you discouraged from that. But God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And anyone who comes to me, anyone who comes to me, you may be sitting there this morning saying, I've made so many poor choices in my life. I just don't know. God will accept you back. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God desires a, a, a relationship with you. He's a God of reconciliation. He is a God of redemption. Amen, church. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God.